Milford sets off upfield. He wants a speedster to run onto it. He might be the quickest. Oh, he kicks. He kicks ahead. And now Corey Oates will come. Oh, Oates with the one-handed pickup. How about that? Asako in behind them. He's confused. He didn't know whether to kick or whether to run. He takes the runner option. Jermaine Asako will score. Broncos fans, and welcome to the Round 17 review episode of Broncos Weekly. As always, I'm Mitch. I'm joined on the line by our good friend, Simo. How are you doing, Simo? Uh, just dreading going back to work, eh? Yourself? <laughs> it's Sunday night after all, isn't it, mate? <laughs> uh, it's, just, it's just looming there depressingly in front of me. Yeah, um, I know that feeling when you're like in a, in a job you're not in love with. It's not great. Every Sunday <laughs> night, right? Yeah, I know. Let's just hope no one from work listens. <laughs> I think we've said that a few times this year already. You would, you would know by now. I wouldn't have a job. No, we haven't, we haven't said that much. Yeah, do him a favour. <laughs> I dare you. Do him a favour. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, we're, uh, here we are recording this review episode because whatever, we don't really do previews that much anymore. So <laughs> here we are doing a, doing a review for once. Um, yeah, we'll see how long this lasts, but we just thought it might be a bit easier more to consistently record on weekends, so we'll see how that goes for a bit. Yeah, because during the week, having your night shifts and whatever, things are just coming up and we're missing them now, so here we well, are. We had Origin last week, and then like you guys recorded your other podcast on a different night, so that was awkward, and then I got night shift this week coming, so like, well, yeah, like I'm just always more one. free on the weekends. Like I do Monday to Friday work, you do the same, so yeah, hopefully it should work. <laughs> <laughs> More yeah. like Broncos Weekly and not Broncos whenever if we try Bron- on weekends. Yeah, Broncos when our schedule matches up on a weeknight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, why don't we talk about some Broncos news first before we do the review. And I think we've actually got some fan thoughts this week as well. So, But first we'll hit the news, which is um, some good news. I mean, some news I think was always coming, but we got the, uh, the double re-signing of Lodge and Pangai until 2022. So Lodge on apparently seven fifty odd a year and Pangai on about six fifty odd a year, which I think's good you know, in the right realm for both of them. I think it's a bit of a bit of a bargain on Pangai, but uh I was never worried about losing either of them. But I'm happy they're they're very signed. Yeah, I didn't think they were really gonna go elsewhere, but you know, once it's happened you've got then Pangai, Lodge and Haas, you probably three best forwards. Um you know, signed up for a few years, that's nice. Yeah, well, you've got, as you said, you mentioned those three. You've got Pangai and Lodge till 2022, Haas signed till 2024. And then, if you think you other forwards, you also have um, Joe O signed till 2022. And then also you've got um, uh, Patrick Carrigan 2022 as well, if you, if you consider him one of the core for, young forwards coming through. So, you know, it's, it's good to have all that kind of locked up. And we saw how they played on Saturday. It's at least comforting knowing the forwards are all locked up. There's problems everywhere else <laughs> with this squad, but that, that, that's a positive there. 
I mean, the problem there is they're all off contract like the same year, and they you just are. know that's gonna that's gonna work well for us in like three years' time. So. Yeah, well, yeah, Fafita and Flegler are signed to the end of next year, and Matt Gillett's also 2022, which is a bit long for him, but it's essentially, we know what the, the full pack's going to be for the next year or so, at least. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. And the other news is we've apparently signed Jesse Arthurs from, from the Titans. So it hasn't been confirmed, but it's, you know, all of a sudden he's not playing first grade for the Titans after playing every game, and he's apparently joining us, so... If you don't know who he is, I actually haven't watched a lot of him in reserve grade. Uh, he's played first grade for the Titans this year, played centre, but apparently he's primarily a fullback. Uh, he he what started at the Storm when Seabold was there, followed Seabold to South and, and then went to the Titans, I think, last year, late last year or this off-season. Yeah. But yeah, now he's um, apparently wanted to reunite, reunite with Seabold. So you were saying there, I don't know... How good he is, honestly. But you were saying some Titans fans are upset. Um, I mean, I just had to jump over on Reddit and see what people said about the signing there. And I don't normally think those people over there are the biggest mental giants. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> there's some good people. But um, yeah, so I, I've not seen a whole heap of him, as you said, reserve grade at the Titans. But um, yeah, I, I struggle to watch them most weeks, so... Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's struggle to watch my own team, <laughs> let alone their team. <laughs> it is one of those things that um, it's funny. We come from a place that, and we spoke about this in, in the preseason, the offseason, how deep our backline depth was. You know, we had guys like Kahu and um, James Roberts and Jack Bird and whatever. Plus, we had the other guys coming through, like Farmworth or whatever, whatever. But now it's like been pretty gutted our backline depth. Now we actually needed to probably sign someone up in that position. And I don't know if there's any actual plan for him to be our future fullback or anything, but um, I'll take some talented blokes in the back line that aren't Shibasaki. <laughs> you know? Oh, I'll man, I'll take myself over Shibasaki at the moment. Like, well, just... Coates might have done a worse job this weekend, though. <laughs> I mean, Coates didn't do a much better job the week before. Like, yeah, we didn't did. talk about that game, but like, outside of the two tries he should have scored. That yeah, I think that just papered over a lot of like cracks that people were just happy to look at the good plays and ignore the other. Yeah, he's so so raw. We'll get onto that when we do the uh, the review. But yeah, a couple of bits of bits of signings. Oh, and one thing on that lodge stuff. Like I know I had heaps of Broncos fans messaging me worried about losing him. It's like when a player's leaving your club, he doesn't go through the media for three months about hey might be going to the Eels, hey I could be going to the Warriors. Look out! It's like when players leave your club, generally you find out like the week they're signing with the other team that they're actually gone. Like when Ben Hunt was signed with the Dragons, we found out that the week it happened. We didn't have like three months of like, "Hey, I might be going to the Dragons." <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, the only real time, the only real time that that happened and the people did leave elsewhere was like when the Tigers' big four yeah. inverted commas were all off contract at the same time, and that just played out for like what seemed like seven years on social media. Yep, exactly. And that's that was until the Tigers finally said, you know what, we're not playing anymore, and then they all left. But it's like, yeah, even Gutherson tried it earlier in the year, and it was like weeks of going, I'm leaving, 
but there was actually no other club who was offering him anything. So, <laughs> I mean, it worked out for Parrot because he played a few bad games and signed for less. So, <laughs> so yeah, you no. should have signed for more at the start, mate. Yeah, well, is, is that Seabold genius tactic, mate? Make us all make the whole team play shit that now we resign Pangai for like 400k less than what he wanted. <laughs> is that was that the tactic, you, mate? He's a Harvard man. He's a, he's an educated, smart person. So <laughs> he's thinking well ahead. <laughs> 4D chess, mate. The rest well, of us are just does. playing checkers. Okay, anyway, let's move on to the review of Saturday night's game. Uh, anyway, Saturday night at Suncorp Stadium, the Broncos 18 drew with the Warriors 18 in front of 31,000, which for some reason on TV, it looked like 15,000 at this game. But yeah. anyway, tries to us uh, from Payne Haas, Darius Boyd and David Vafita. Tries to them, somehow all in the first half. But Adam Blair, Isaac Luke and David Fusatua. Three from three conversions for Stags. Two from three conversions for Luke and a, and a penalty goal at the end there to level it. And both teams missed three fair goals. In, um, and probably what was a deserved result, maybe? I don't think we deserve to win. That's all I know. <laughs> well, it was bizarre because, like, I... I had people over, so I missed it yesterday. I watched it this afternoon. But, like, so I knew the result before. And so watching it, like, we played better for most of the game. So I was like, on one hand, I said, I, I didn't think we deserved to tie. Yeah. But then on the other hand, we played so bad in batches. I'm like, man, there's no way we did, did deserve to tie. Like, Warriors should have won this. But then on the other hand, both teams were just terrible. So I was like, yeah, you both get a point each and go home. Like, <laughs> yeah. There was a, it was, there was a, a period It was so there. bizarre. That period, like from like the fifteenth minute to like the to end of the first half, I thought they were going to score sixty. <laughs> like any time they went left, they were making like forty or thirty meters of play. Nickarim was like running left on last tackle and was still like short on plays. Adam Blair scores that try. I was just like, this is ridiculous. They're going to put a cricket score on us. And then it, I think we're lucky that Mamala got concussed because for some reason, with his concussion, it totally ruined their um their cohesion on the left-hand side, and they didn't really attack there anymore for the rest of the game. But, man, it, it was a, it was a bizarre game. It was As you said, we did have periods of playing quite well. I think it was more at a pure effort. The back the back end of the second half and, and extra time, we actually sogged our guts out. But, yeah, I don't I don't think we deserve to take two points home. <laughs> yeah, this is what I never get about. I, this is just classic, like, NRL is they're like, oh, we'll get rid of draws, so we'll bring in golden point, but you still end up with a draw, like, 5% of the time anyway. Yeah. I just I just think, like, if you're have, if you going to have a draw, just leave it be a draw um, or get rid of it 100% of the time. But <laughs> yeah. I, I've decided, I think the thing that annoys me the most in the whole world ever is not every player, just terrible players that leave our club and then have a, an amazing revenge game against us. Like, Cody Nicarima, that's the best game he's ever played in his life. Like, that 40-20 he kicked is just ridiculous. <laughs> like, that is literally not possible for him to kick that kick. But he can never happened. kick that far. Yeah, and... No. I was very happy that he was their field goal kicker because I had such little faith that he'd ever kick one, but he almost did. The last oh, one, I was like, oh, that my last God. one went so close. I hit my knees when he kicked it because, you know, you're from the sideways angle and the way he struck it, I thought uh, he yeah. kicked this. I hit my I knees watching, in front of the couch. I was watching Milford because he was, like, running back, like, between the posts and I was like, it's right. got the distance. I was like, no, nah, this is going over. I, I Yeah. But I just, you know, like, if it's a good play, like, if Ben Hunt, plays good against us, it's like, oh, whatever. Like, he was a good player. You know, if that sort of stuff happens. But when it's like Dale Copley went to the Roosters and then, like, 
carved us up and scored like eight tries against us in those games. And it's like, uh, yeah, bad players playing good against us annoys me. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think Adam Blaze has been a good player for his career, but I don't think he's ever run that fast. <laughs> the rest of his career, when he burst through the line, he was just gone out of a cannon. What the hell? He ran more metres on that play than, like, his three previous games combined. Like He, he had 17 runs for 188 metres. He's had games this year when he's had, like, three runs. <laughs> he had that game, remember, it was, was it against the Storm? He had two runs, and one was, like, three minutes into the game where he scored a try. Yes. And then... And then run the rest of the it, game to, like, right at the end. <laughs> yeah, he had, like, one run right at the end. And it's like, that's the Adam Blair. But, nah, against the Broncos at Suncorp, it is... 200 metres. Everyone gets 200 metres. You all have 200 metres. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's his, his season high of metres and of his runs, but I haven't looked it up, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was a career high in runs or close to, like, at least till his storm days. 17 runs for him is huge. But yeah, it was one of those games, like, I, I haven't looked at them all up, but obviously, if you hadn't heard, it's gone around now. Two of us set the NRL run metres record against us in this game. 367 metres overtaking Hodges' previous record of 345 metres in 2006, round 25. But there was that. Um, I, so, uh, Jastavanga almost set the record for most tackles in a game. He got close. He might have set the record of most tackles and runs. I haven't looked that one up. Yet. And then, as you said, you had Blair have his most runs. You had Cody Nicar- That's definitely Nicarima's most runs in a game. You had Kemal Molo had 20 runs with 258 metres when he went off after 54 minutes. He could have had 242 <laughs> metres. It was like, oh my God. Harris Avita played like 30 minutes and had 80, 73 metres on that left edge. It was just ridiculous. Man, Mamalo would have beaten RTS's record for most run metres if he had stayed on the full 80. Oh, I feel like he would have too, mate. It was like it could have been one of those games where they both ended up one and two all time, which that, that would just be insane. Like, because Hodges' record stood for a while. It did. It, it stood since two thousand and six. You know, and we've had other guys go close recently, but still, it was it kind of I, like, when this game was nearing full time. I was looking at it. I was like, "Geez, RTS is on three hundred and twenty odd meters. He might get there," but. You know, we didn't think extra time happened and he got it, but it's like that's a it's a lot of running and it's just like that's just how our defence was in this game. It's bizarre we only conceded eighteen points considering like in patches they ran all over us, but they were so bad at converting their opportunities in their field position. It was like they were almost too confident. I mean, was, can you blame them though? No, you can't blame them. Um, um like, just on yeah. Oh so now you go. No, you go, mate, you got it. I was just going to say, on the defence too, the, the tackle by Payne Haas right at the end, like obviously a match winner because golden point and yeah. would have scored a try. But that like that effort, everyone's been talking about how good Payne Haas has been today, but that effort from him that late in a game to do that, like it's more effort than Darius Boyd would have put in. Make Payne Haas the captain. Mate, he is, um, like we've said it on here already before, like he is every little bit of the hype and more. Like he is... And there's not even a second of doubt. There's not even a conversation. But of my lifetime, of the years I've been watching rugby league, so I'm 29 now, and I've been coherently watching rugby league. I've been watching since like like I was four, but like you know, those years don't count. But say for the last 20 years, he's by far and away the best young forward I've ever seen. Best young forward on the 20 we've ever seen. Like, and it's not even the fact that you know when he has the ball, he's huge and athletic. You know, it's not those things. As we've seen guys come into first grade who are massive and and make and make big plays. It's the things you just mentioned. 
Like he is. What what is he doing? He's been playing sixty minutes in the middle. He's been had to carry the ball all the whole game, working his guts out, and he's chasing forty meters back and making a try, having tackle on our goal line, one on one, like flipping Taras Vita like backwards away from his momentum. He grabbed him and flipped him back. It was just exceptional stuff like that. Like, you just don't see it. Like you compare that to you know when we we scored the match winner against the Sharks, right? And you've got this prop with huge reputation, Aaron Woods, who just just didn't move off once the ball went past him. He's watched it happen. Yeah. You pair that to Payne Haas. It's not even in the same realm. Now, another good thing, too, for him is he seems so, like, calm, Yeah, I think. Kind of like, all right, we all love Tevita Pengai, but, like, he's got some stupid penalties in his game. He'll do some dumb things when he just gets too excited, whereas, like, Payne Haas doesn't seem to do that. And that's also, like, a surprise to me is somebody that young just doesn't seem to be that stupid. Um, yeah, he, ha- he has the cool head, and this is going to sound like a dumb comparison, but he has the cool head of what Ken Smith had when he was really young. It didn't make any sense. He's like, he plays like he's an experienced player already. He plays like he's a 25-year-old. Like, he, as you said, there's no mistakes in his game. He's not really doing really stupid things like charging out of the line or forcing offloads or dropping the ball. Like, he doesn't make any mistakes. So that's the more impressive thing is not the fact that he's such a freak. It's the fact that, like, he's such a smart player as well. Yeah. No, yeah. it's good. It is good. It's good so, to have somebody actually live up to their potential for once. It is. And then in this game, you had, like, Matt Lodge had a stormer as well. He touched the ball as many times as Darius Boyd did, which is an indictment on Boyd. But anyway, he had a stormer. So did Pangai. Pangai was great. Like, he got unlucky. He was probably going to score a full-field try. I'm not going to say he was going to, but probably going to score a full-field try if he had that um, one-on-one strip and uh, Lodge didn't get involved. Yeah. Like he was, um, he had go- pretty much outrun RTS, and then by the time they both realised it was p- called back, he was in the motion of pushing RTS off of him. So, oh well. But um, he had a great game, and Patrick Carrigan probably had his first good game for mine in first grade. He was really solid. Yeah, about time. About time. <laughs> yeah. But this is one of those games. Like, I think all the forwards pretty much. Play- I thought Alex Glenn had his best game of the year. Um, yeah, Fafita yeah. had his that impact moment. A lot of forwards were pretty exceptional, but I think that's kind of the problem is like we need our forwards to play like this for even to even end up equal. <laughs> like to end up drawing. They they absolutely stomped the Warriors pack, but like it didn't really matter because, you know, this we don't take advantage of that of that field position. We don't seem to have any any form of like attacking structure or set play at all at the moment now. Now Milford's gone to fullback, we just don't have any set plays. Yeah, it's just like what the first try was just Payne Haas just pushing people off, like oh inside ball, but you know, shoves some yeah. people off. Second try was Darius Boyd, like that's just them stuffing up, not not catching a grubber, and then what was it ah uh, for feeder? For like, feeder running across field doing a goose step and going through, like those are our three tries. Yes, it, there's nothing repeatable about any of those tries. Like they're just somebody is a good footballer and made something happen. Yeah, 100%. But it's like, now Milford's at fullback. And he actually had a pretty good game at fullback, but it's like, our attacking structures are like four hit-ups and kick it. And Milford's involvement is only pretty much when he's returning kicks, when he's kicking it, or when he like, just gets a ball first receiver. We haven't got like, any set plays when he's not in the halves, because Boyd just stays on the left now and just stands there and watches the game happen. And Turpin's not really a halfback, so... We're just like hoping our four pack steamrolls the other team, and which they did in the second half to get us back into it. But yeah, it's um, it's a bit of a concern that you know that's what we rely on for us to even be in a game. 
What do you get to like with Milford's kicking game? You get he puts up those torp bombs. Yeah. And Mamalo doesn't get within ten meters of one landing. He <laughs> forces the goal line drop out. And like everyone's like, Oh man, what a kicking game Milford's got on the commentary team and then like he does a couple more of those and then it's like, Man, Milford's got such a terrible kicking game. Oh my god, a Nasta could have struggled strangled him in this game. We twelve but, of our points came from his boot. Yeah, that but first then he's like, from that repeat. And then he was praising his kicking game like later on in the game and he's like, Yeah, he's just gotta like add some more variation. It's like you don't need to add variation to these torp bombs if no one can catch these. Like Yes. You get if putting these up one or two times a game you get people like drop them or just miss them or like they're so hard to catch. Also, our kick chase is terrible. How many times this year have we put a good kick into the corners and then let the guy run 20 metres? Because the kick chase is terrible. I'm actually... It's one of the very few times I've actually pro more Milford midfield bombs. I'm like, put them up because, like, nobody's chasing. <laughs> Can you imagine if, like, Craig Bellamy was coaching this team? How, like, how many days before he had just had a heart attack and died? Like, with effort, like, some of those kick chases. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have it at the end of the first half. Thank God he went off the field, but at the end of the first half, when McCulloch was just like, we're on their goal line for like three sets, and he just went hit up, hit up, hit up, hit up. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> classic, classic McCulloch, eh? One of them was like oh. Carrigan stood as the block play, and then McCulloch threw it to him anyway. He was standing still like five metres out, and he's like, go on, mate, barge over. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. If you're going to go for the barge over, go for like... Pengai or Haas or someone big and not like yeah. the skinny white guy that's like not not really <laughs> should be in the team. He <laughs> was standing still when you throw oh. it to him. But it's one of those things I think like Boyd at six is not good. But he's no. now not as bad as McCulloch at nine. <laughs> well, he's not as bad because he's just kind of like hidden. He's not doing anything. He, he, yeah. He's avoiding the ball and his defence is okay. So it's and like, he, do, he doesn't have to catch kicks. So he's just out yeah. of the way. Yeah. So it's fine. Yeah, and because he's defending the line as well, no one's really running full speed at him. Like when he's at fullback, he's just, he doesn't want to make contact at all. He's actually tackling some people on the line. Oh, <laughs> he's he's always been happy to defend in the line too because he can have yeah. the mate help him. So like yeah. he's always been super happy to do that. So just it's all round good move. Yeah, I mean, in terms of we have to play him somewhere, I guess it's going okay in that regard. He's not as embarrassing, but I think the fact we we picked coats in the centres. That is one of the having seen how it played out and the coaches to notice, that was what that is one of the worst selections of our lifetime. Honestly. Like Coates is a, a an obviously an outstanding talent. Every, we've heard all about him, but in his game last week, yes, he did catch that first try, which is amazing. His hang time was exceptional. And his second one he got unlucky with that. But he was like directly responsible for two tries we conceded. He was lost at sea in defence last week. Then he retains his spot this week, but then he played in the centres and when they were running at him, he was like turning around when they were running, mid-running and looking the wrong way. And then there was yes. even one time he finally made a tackle and he got up and then like jogged back but looked the other way. And he was wasn't even, he was like five metres back by the time the ball was played and they ran at him and was like, dude, this kid has no idea what he's doing at centre. He's so raw. I mean, centre's not an easy spot to defend it's either. Not. So. It's not his fault. It's no. not his fault. He got put out there, but it's like, it, it was like you had to, like a couple of them didn't change it. He was that bad there. It was like, put Fafita there. Put anyone there. Like, put him on the wing. Something. Uh, um, yeah. He's so bad. Oh, I don't have much else on most of the game. Just on Golden Point. Yeah. Um, The, the Seguiaro one, that was on the fourth tackle, right? The second last. I don't know. I think they had the I think they had the tackle count wrong on the TV. 
because I, I, I don't think it was the last... I, I think it was last tackle. I'm not sure. I okay. haven't reviewed it yet to know. Well, in the lead-up to that set, yeah, I think it might have been the last... Because I know Haas took a run, then Lodge, then Haas, then Boyd to set up that. So there's four there. And yeah. I think there might have been one before Haas originally. So that would put that on the fifth play. Yeah. Um, I'll look it I'm, up now while you're talking. But, yeah. but I was always like... I reckon a, the, one of the best setups to field goal, especially if you're like 30, 20, 30 out like that, is if you dummy and then just run, if it's on your second last, like if you get tackled, you're going to get a quick play of the ball. Everybody's like the opposite side of you. Like they got to run way back to get on side. Like yeah. I just think that's the best setup to a field You're not going to be able to pull it off every time because it's going to become readable. But And then if you don't do it, if you just pass, everyone's expecting you to dummy and run. They're not sprinting up. Like it, the more the confusion you can put in the other team, the better for that set. Like if you just pass every single time, everyone's just shooting up off the line. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like, <laughs> um, if it was, it was. I thought it was actually a good play from Sigio. He fucked up, but I thought it was a good play. Yeah, he just he, he had way much more time than he thought he did. He could have run forward another few meters and had the snap, like, but he he kind of hit it like he, the drop was bad. He hit it kind of like when you haven't kicked a field goal in ten years, you go down to the park. The first one you strike, it was oh, like that. Yeah, it was all in the drop. He dropped it sideways. Yeah, and then so he sprayed it, but it was like it was actually a good play. People har- harassed him for, it, but I'm actually pro that because as you said, he dummied the 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 the, the defense went past him, so he actually had a lot of time to take it, but he didn't. But what I don't know is like. Okay, we're not. We haven't been the best field goal kicking team the last few years. We've actually been okay at setting for them. Where was Asako? Yeah, I I don't know, but yeah. Like, I mean, two thousand nineteen Asako is not the same as two thousand eighteen Asako, but still, you'd think he's got to be at least drift in as another option. You know, so if someone's charging up, you can you know pass sideways and have a crack. A crack. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. So I, I don't know what happened there, but um, oh well. I just thought he'd be out there, and as you said, at least be a decoy. And um, the last one, I don't blame Milford for, but he probably really should have kicked his first, hit his first attempt. It was like thirty out in the middle. He probably should have kicked that one. Like I know, it's very easy to say oh, I should have kicked it. I watched the Cow- the Cowboys Roosters Golden Point the Savi, or not Golden Point, but end of game. Cooper Cronk missed one just like that too that he should have buried. Like everyone was missing yeah. him in that game. Oh, it happens. It just happens sometimes. Like Cooper Cronk and Luke Keery were like ten out and fifteen out in front today and they missed. But um yeah. Thank God Nick Rambi didn't kick one. His first attempt was exactly exactly <laughs> what I expected. Because that's just who he is. And by the way, just confirming you're right, that was last tackle for Sigiaro's attempt. Right. Um Nick Rambi's first attempt was exactly what I expected. It was like 30 metres to the left. But that last one, as you said, oh my God, I was like, I hit my knees because he hit it and the Warriors paused. You know the play, they paused like he'd kicked it and Milford stopped too. They thought he kicked yeah. it. Uh, it was just because it like, just oh. drifted right at the end. It was so close though. Man, so I just, close. I would have like cancelled the podcast forever if we lost to a Cody Nick Rambi field goal in Golden Point. That would have just been the end of the podcast. What what kind of space are they in as a team when Nikorima in a full strength team is their is their primary field goal kicker? That's what I don't understand. Like I understand Blake Green's never kicked one, but Blake Green is their general kicker. Why isn't he doing it? Even in this game, if it's you've got Harris Tavita as well, another half. Why can't he have a crack? Like, I don't understand how Nikorima is your primary kicker. I'd give Ignatius Parsi a crack before <laughs> Cody Nikorima. 
Sam Sam Lasone would back himself. That's for damn sure. Uh, yeah, I just. I mean, he nailed that forty twenty. Maybe they're like, if he can kick it as sweet as that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh god, he nailed that. Um, let's talk about it before we move on. Actually, let's talk about Milford at fullback. Um, is it just me or has he lost some weight in the last two weeks? See, I don't know. I always thought he was not as fat as everybody else seemed oh, to think. Same. Um. Yeah, I don't know. He might have. I mean, he he's probably have. done a lot more running than he had the previous. So yeah, he probably has. Yeah, I think he'd lost some weight, but like I'm, like we've said this before, I'm not against him playing there in the future. It's just like it's one of those things I just can't see the fit still for next year. Because he, he looks pretty good there now already, and if we start actually getting him involved in attacking plays, actually having structures that get him out wide in space, instead of him again just trying to create on his own, running one out, which he did create a few times, you know, it, it might it might might get better. But um, I don't like the like he's currently our fullback, our five eight, our halfback, and sort of our hooker. <laughs> like, yeah, way too much for one guy. He's our whole spine, pretty much. Uh, uh, yeah, I think. Playing a fullback, you're going to be more like a traditional 5'8", where you're going to play like both sides of the field and it's a second receiver sort of role. So yeah. I definitely don't mind that from him. I just think it's odd switching now when like the fitness you will need to do that job. Like I just think it's easy to swap over the off-season. But again, if like that's this season is done, so if that's the job moving forward for him... Like whatever, you might as well play here, get some practice here. Then you have the off season, and then like you just a step ahead for next season. So I I don't mind it as long like it's just as odd if it's like that's his job for this season, and then swap him back to five eight next season because it is. if Boyd's gone, and then you'd like uh, this bloke from the Titans, oh, I forgot his name already, Jesse Arthur's. Yeah, like if he's gonna play fullback or you play a psycho at fullback, like then that's just yeah. odd. It um, is odd in that regard. And it's like also saying like so say Boyd's gone next year. It's I still don't know who the six is. Yeah, and then we'll go from like if you play like Pakes and Dearden or O'Sullivan and Dearden, and they're like two more kicking halves than like run first halves. We've gone from having nothing but running halves to nothing but not running halves. Yeah, exactly. But whatever. One of each. Yeah, and and one the 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 halves this weekend. I mean, in a ninety minute game, Darius Boyd touched the ball twenty eight times. Like as a half, that's. That could be the lowest all-time of a 90-minute game. It's close to as low as you can get in an 80-minute game for a half. And then Turpin only touched it 37 times. And over on the Warriors' side, you had 60 from Green, 58 from Cody. But for reference, when Milford plays 60, touches about 60 times, he touched it at 51 in this game. But it just shows you it's way too much reliance on Milford. <laughs> like the, other, the, other, the two halves are playing there now aren't getting involved. So it's like the team is like five forwards and Milford because also our back line at the moment is custard. None of them are doing anything. Yeah. Look, yeah. again, we played we played 90 minutes and again. So, if we talk about the Warriors numbers. We had some guys, almost all their backs made, uh, all of them at Jared Bill made it well over 100 metres. But three of them almost made 300 metres or more. But we had on our side, we had Asako 13 runs for 91. Katoni Staggs, who's having a, almost as bad of a second year as Asako is, 9 runs for 74 metres. And Coates, 8 for 71. It's nothing. It's not enough involvements from anybody in our back line. It's just no, Milford. It's but not. He's the one yeah. to seven. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But, you know. Need Oates bad. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping this week will... Obviously, Oates will be back. I'm hoping to God that, like, the plan is not to keep Coates at the other centre. Like, come on, it can't be Coates. Because, obviously, Oates comes back in. If they didn't play 
you know, Farmworth or Osako or somebody centre this week. I don't know why they do it next week, if you get me. But there's got to be something else. Like, play Parisi. Just do it. It can't be Coates at centre again. It can't be worse than Coates. It can't be. Like, could you imagine if we played the Roosters' left-hand side with Coates at centre? Latrell might have scored seven. Because he would have been up for it then. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, but he he really doesn't <laughs> like playing the Broncos. He doesn't. He doesn't. But, uh, but that one fan happened. <laughs> yeah. That's all okay. anyone remembers. Anyway, somehow, before we move on to uh, let's get the fan thoughts or something next, but uh, somehow we are just outside of the eight now still. We are on uh, with three points outside of the eight. The, uh, t- the draw, unfortunately, is as good as a loss in terms of um, in terms of the ladder. But we probably have to win like six of our last eight to make the finals. I obviously don't want to make the finals anyway. I want this club to hurt, but... There's fans out there who still want to make it, so six of last eight, I think, to make the finals. Well, the draw just nullifies our terrible for and against. It does. So it's like, it does. Yeah. I was going to say it's like half a win, which obviously it is exactly like half a win. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you figured <laughs> it out. It you is uh, smart, guys, half you know? the points of a win. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Radio. <laughs> um, have we um, got any f- questions or fan thoughts to this one? Uh, I just got questions. questions but Sweet. Um, Let's do it. Yeah, there's not a whole heap because nobody's probably expecting it on a Sunday night. And yeah, yeah, cool. From Jack, he said, What is the fundamental issue with our red zone attack? I can't remember it being great last year either, obviously with a different approach now. Can you, can you ask that again? I just didn't get the, the first start. Sorry, sorry, what is the fundamental issue with our red zone attack? Oh, mate, I don't even know. It is, it's that bad that I don't know what the issue is because I can't even see what they're trying to do. It's like we spend four tackles going, like, hitting the left post or hitting the right post with forward runs, and then we run a set play. But it's also like when we get to the set play, we're not ready for the set play. It's always so clunky, the set play. So a lot of it's just like, let's see if we can score off a hit up, and if it doesn't work, okay, well, let's let Milford kick something. <laughs> like that's what it feels like. I don't know what the, I have no idea what they've been working on. It's round seventeen. I don't care that it's a, it's, you know, a bit part team thrown together. It's like you guys have all been training since you know November last year. You should have at least like two or three things you know what to do in the attack. You've all been playing rugby league for years, but no, it's just like hit up, hit up, hit up, and then I don't know, Milford will kick it. Yeah. Um, on the attack last year though, we had what was it? Did we have the third best last year? Yeah, we did, and our goal line attack, I agree with that. It wasn't fantastic last year either, but because like, we scored a lot more tries from, you know, in that, like, 20 to 40 range we'd score from. But it's the goal line attack this year, we have the worst in the competition. Like, numbers-wise, we do as well, but it's anemic when you watch it. Yeah. Uh, from David, he said, missing uh, despite missing Origin players and most of the rest playing out of position, I thought we did pretty well. What position is TPJ best suited for, and why does Seabold keep changing his and other Ford's position and rotation? Well, that's um, that Panga thing is something that it's, it's a problem for the team because I believe he's best on the edge. What about you? Uh, well, like I always liked him in the middle, but he just keeps playing well on the edge. Like he he can't ignore that forever. Yeah, you can't. Like he, I think he's great in both of them, but on the edge, you know, he runs with the same power in the middle, but in the middle he runs into a lot of bigger guys. 
But he's not one of those other middles you think, oh, they'll go on the edge and see how they go, and generally they don't adapt well. But Pango goes out on that edge, runs just as hard, but he's running it like an edge back rower and a half. So he always ends up pushing them back like four or five metres and has an arm almost free. Every carry, he looks like he's going to do something. And then yeah. he's also got the opportunity. He's been, he, his defense is better because he's flattening smaller guys as well. He's just physically dominating when he's on the edge. And like You go back to the middle, and he, and he is fantastic when he's in the middle. But on the edge, it feels like almost every game he might win you the game when he's played on the edge. I mean, we've got a lot of his best games for the Broncos when you go back through them. It's like last week he was amazing. He was great this week. Um, the game against the Roosters when we beat them last year he was on the edge. Like a lot of his best games have been on the edge. You always hear the chat from like people when they're talking about a good middle, like Tamalolo gets this sometimes, Ryan James, where they're like, oh yeah, just put them on the edge and they'll dominate out there. And it, it doesn't always work because Ryan James is custard out there. Yeah, and so Tamalolo sucks there too. He doesn't know what to do when he's out there. Yeah, but like... Like you said, TPJ, he's just, there's smaller people out there. He just steamrolls them, and the offload's a big part of his game, so he just looks so dangerous out there. Yeah, um, and he knows how to run lines, and he, he moves better laterally than those than James and Tamuolo do. Like when James plays on the edge, he's conceded a lot of tries through him, but it doesn't happen when Pangai's on the edge. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a hard problem because we've obviously got Gillett and Fafida at the minimum from next year further, and we've already seen how bad Gillett is in the middle. And Fafita's obviously better on the edge. It is a hard problem, but, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see Pangai stay on the edge somehow. I, I have an idea. We can just use our bench to, like, pick players. We, we just put them on the bench like that we have to pick for some reason, but we don't want to play them. <laughs> so, like, Boyd can play for 80 minutes on the bench and Gillette yeah. <laughs> can play for 80 minutes on the bench. <laughs> like, just these players that, like, they're on big enough money that they just have to be in the team and they can just, like... Just every week in the press conference, be like, "Oh, why didn't you play Boyd today?" It's like, "Oh, I just, I just completely forgot he was sitting there. I just got wrapped up in the game. Just, you know, it just slipped my mind." And he's like, "You said that the last three weeks." It's like, yeah, it's my bad. Well, it's, isn't it funny? Like Gillett in one week gets outperformed by Ethan Lowe at state level and outperformed by at club level. <laughs> That's good. I mean, I've never ever talked down to Ethan Lowe. I've always liked him because he's a crazy looking yeah. man. Um, yeah. I always liked him, and yeah, I was glad he played well at Origin. I was so nervous, for, like for that kick, that last one. It, yeah. it, it wasn't a hard kick, but it wasn't an easy kick either. And I was like, man, if he misses this, Queensland's gonna hate him. Well, but it's then, classic part-time kick and miss. I mean, Latrell yeah. in the game we mentioned earlier, Latrell missed the exact same kick against us last year in the game we came back and won. And he's a full-time kicker. Those ones can be difficult. Yeah, well, yeah they pro- they obviously practice from the sideline. A lot more than like just slightly off centre. Yeah, um, exactly. And uh, the other question he asked said, "Why does Seawold keep moving the forwards around?" Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I've, we've had this issue all year. I've raised it a few times. I hated when Gillett played on the middle at the start. I hated when Sewer got first crack on the right. I hated when Pangai got moved every two or three weeks. And this week it's kind of explainable because of the injuries and stuff. But it won't be, it won't shock me next week again with Gillett back. That it's different. But what I hate the most of all the rotations is that Dave Fafita doesn't play more than 30 minutes a week. Like he played 31 in this game, but again we had extra time. He only he was only going to play 21. And the moment he came on, he got us into the game. I I don't I don't see it as well. I don't get it. But whatever. Yeah. Righto, uh, from Thomas. Our centres and wingers' defence is horrible on both sides. Even when we're full strength, it is an issue. Surely they realise this is not something that can be... Sorry. Surely they realise this. Is it not something that can be easily resolved or what? I wish Bird was back. He did seem to be reliable in defence. 
Also, looking forward to Deedon coming back and taking some pressure off Milford, doing all the kicking. Also, the turpin Maka segi scenario is providing to be a headache. Uh, what's the long-term resolution? So, <laughs> so, we'll just go back through this point by point. Yeah. <laughs> um, wingers and defence, horrible on both sides. Uh, is this something that can be easily resolved? Uh, well, I've, I've said this many a times. But majority of the time, it's not the wingers' fault when they jam in. In this game, it was Herbie Farmworth's fault when he jammed in. That was a dumb one when he jammed in to a score. But most of the time, like when Asako or somebody comes in, it's because the guy on the inside has come in. Like if you're if you're Asako last weekend, what are you thinking defending outside Xavier Coates? You're thinking, oh shit. Like the yeah. whole game, so you are, the, one of your best options is to jam and hope to hope you stop the guy inside, stop it before it gets out there. But most of it's because Coates was getting caught on the inside, so he has to come in. You know, it's just how it works. It's the same thing when Nick Arima was defending in our team and the whole right edge was collapsing in. Most of the defence problems that come from the middle and work their way out. There's no coincidence when Dearden was playing, our defence on the edges looked better. But as a whole, our defence is shit. Like it just uh, across the whole park, it's not good enough at the moment. So. It's it's an it's it sound I don't know if it's easy to solve. It should be easier to solve. We've seen teams like even the Knights defend okay this year. They've turned it around an off in an off season, but there's so many things wrong with our team. I don't even know where to start on fixing our defense. Like we you know we can't defend a seven tackle set for Christ's sake, and they have, they have 80 meters to go from the other team's end to our try line, and they get there more often than not. Yeah. Um. So yeah, looking forward to Dean coming back and taking some pressure off Milford, doing all the kicking. Um. Yeah, I think that's only a good thing. Just yeah, like same. Anybody, but also, just, was, wasn't kicking that much though when he was playing. No, but it, he was kicking some. Like yeah. at this point, Milford's kicking every single time, except like Macker will take one dodgy kick a game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Turpin Macker Segi scenario is providing to be a headache. What's the long term resolution? I mean, I think every fan wants to see it to be uh, Turpin and Segiaro. Yeah, I think and that's pretty simple. Macker in New Zealand. Yeah, so Mac is taking his play option up for next year. I think that's more of a security thing. I do feel like there's something to come this off season with him and Boyd. Like, I just know that you know I I get I don't have raps on Seabold, but uh, currently, but he's not blind. Like in this game, he pulled he pulled McCulloch pretty early in this game. Yeah, you know, I, like these people have to be seeing the same stuff we're seeing. Yeah. And they just know that this is the reality for this year. They can't do anything about it now. Yep. Um, so, I don't know. But the problem we have with face as well is that Sikiaro also isn't re-signed for next year. So, Turpin yeah. and Sikiaro both aren't re-signed yet. Even just just Turpin by himself is better than like any, the, anything with Maka. Uh, from Kyle, he said, Who plays centre against the Bulldogs and why is it Parisi? Oh, God, I hope it's Parisi. I don't know why it hasn't been him yet, but he's killing Queensland Cup, and there's just no way, even if he's got things to learn while he's still adapting from Union, there's no way he is as raw as Coates is. So I hope it's him, and if it's not, I I think they might pick Coates again. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, from Mick, he said, how about the news on Oaks Glenn getting two years? Let him play his 300-plus for the Broncos. We'll deserve every cent we offer to retain him. Alex Glenn's getting two years. I've not heard this one. I know he wants to re-sign, but I haven't heard he's actually getting it. Like, I know he's very keen to re-sign, but um, like I, I think he's his quote. I would want, I would love a two-year deal at the Broncos. I don't want to be getting a one-year deal and be in the same boat 
next year and try to keep my career going. I d ideally, I want to retire as a one-club man. So there's no actual things of us re-signing him. Him just saying he wants to. And he said he met with Seabold and uh, Paul recently, letting him know that he wanted to stay. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. Like, I, like, honestly, I love Alex Glenn. We've been through this before. I love Alex Glenn. But it, it's it's time. It's time to go. I mean, if it was time for Maguire, it's time for... It's time for him. It's time for Boyd. It it's time for McGulloch. Like Glenn had a good game on the weekend, but he still has this thing. Like he, it does. He obviously is a great hole runner, so he still gets those half opportunities. He runs great lines, but he can't keep getting tackled one on one by halves. Every week, a half stops him. Like three of them stop him one on one. It's not. That's not good enough. And then, like you know, we have as we just mentioned, Pangai's better on the edge. We have Fafita coming. Like he's thirty-one now. You know, in like what in like a week or two, Glenn is like. It's it's not a charity. He's, you know, we don't owe him anything from here to be a one-club player. I don't think we, we should re-sign him. And who knows? And if we did re-sign him, we'd be like, mate, you can stay, but you're not you're not first choice. You've got to, you know, you're fighting from the bench or from reserve grade kind of thing. Uh, lastly here, I don't, we probably won't be able to answer this one. This is from Cameron. He said, going to Melbourne for the weekend in a few weeks to watch Team USA versus Aussie Boomers. Suggestions for the best bars or restaurants to visit in the CBD. I oh, don't mate, know how sorry. much you've been to Melbourne. Um, I've been to Melbourne a few times, but, mate, I can't even name the places I went to. St Kilda's great fun, by the way, if you want to go out and get pissed after the game. St Kilda's great fun. Um, apart from that, I guess if anybody listening to this has suggestions, there's a Facebook comment here to reply to. <laughs> yeah, there um, you go. But, yeah, I've not really been to Melbourne. Uh, righto, over on to... I'm just going to reload this to see if anything else got sent in. Right, over on Twitter from Osport Matters. He said, why did Tana Boyd get an immediate release? Is this another example of the club showing no vision? Um, just to clarify, what was the Broncos' incentive to let him walk for free? Well, I mean, what was his contract with the Broncos? I think he was already um, already like off contract end of this year anyway. So at that point, it's like, why not? The incentive is probably just to move some money around wherever they can. And yeah, and I guess I like, like if you're not going to play him, like if if like Seabold would know if he wasn't going to play him this year. So if he's signed somewhere else, like whatever, you might as well just go now. Yeah, and I mean, you know, if you look at it now, it's like he's behind. Obviously, Milford is behind, behind Sean O'Sullivan, behind Deard, and and they also rate Corey Pakes more than him, and they probably would have played Turpin in the halves before him as well. Like it's a long way down the pecking order. And at some point, I know it's like you can say you're, con you're contracted or not, you're not letting you go, but we let Ash Taylor go a year early for opportunity. Sometimes you just do a good, a solid by those players. There's no point holding them, holding them back for selfish reasons. Uh, from GM Walker underscore, do you think David Fafita deserves more than 23 minutes? And if so, should he be playing at the expense of the washed Alex Glenn? Is breaking tackles good? Asking for a Harvard grad. <laughs> I mean... Yes, yes, yes. We just covered that. Yes. <laughs> uh, Cruzy06, do you think that we will get our first spoon this year? No. I mean, we're not that far away, which is embarrassing. Like, what are we? We Because the, the Bulldogs won. We're like, oh, it's funny, we're three points out of the eight, but we're also five points off last. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see it happening. Like, And like like you were saying before, I don't really want to make finals because that's when like, the Broncos will make changes if they don't make finals. Yeah. Um, but at the same point, I don't want to win a spoon either. Like, I'm happy with 15th, but...
but like as soon as you win a spoon, like that's just that's there forever on the Wikipedia page. Like, it is. <laughs> that's I that's mean, a Titans... meme forever. That's that's never going to get forgotten. Yeah, we have to sort our shit out though, because the Titans did just sack Brennan, and they'll probably have a bump back. Like they played on Friday, like a team that couldn't wait for Brennan to be sacked. So they might have a bump coming up now. So have to get the kicker ass in the year. We play the Bulldogs this week. Could be a spoon derby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Bulldogs—they're not terrible. They they try hard at least. No, they're not your typical spoon side. I've seen this uh, last week and also said it during the game this weekend to some of my mates. I was speaking to Harry Ramage, famous Knights fan, during the game, and he called them losing about five minutes into it. Like, the Knights did not respect the Bulldogs in this game, and the Bulldogs, whilst they're terrible, they are not your typical spoon side because they turn up every game. So if you go in there and you think you're going to shit all over them and you're going to beat them easily, they'll beat you. They were a worse team than the Knights, but the Knights went out there so arrogant in the first like 10 minutes, the Knights were throwing the ball around like they were the Harlem Globetrotters, thought they were going to kill the Bulldogs, and the Bulldogs just metronomed their way into the game until he took over. So not, they're not that bad. On on the Knights, this will be like my favourite part of the podcast, but yeah. like they obviously had that winning streak, they won a few games. I honestly think they're not too far off the team they were like now, back when, like when the Titans beat them. Like Their last two weeks have just been so ordinary. And I'm enjoying oh, it. Oh, no, definitely. And, like, we've, I've covered this on Boom Rookies before, but, you know, for me, Nathan Brown should have been punted when they only won one game. There's zero excuse for any team in a salary cap league to ever be that bad. But the problem I still have now is, like, how can their bad still be this bad? Yeah, like, there's... That front row is all New South Wales origin front starting front row. you got Mitchell yeah. Pearce, like, and then Ponga, he's... He was out this game. But you're missing one player shouldn't do that. Yeah, but like, it, it's not like they're the only rep players too. Like they're all over. They've got good players. Like it's not like they're a terrible team. But yeah, it's exactly, just but... Nathan Brown is. I just think he's the worst coach in football. He is, and he's going to keep his job because he talks. He, he backs them up in press conferences and talks like you know talks the talk there. But mate. He spent, they spent years preaching patience at that club, and I think it's so funny. As we've always said, they point all the fingers at Wayne, whereas most of those bad contracts weren't Wayne's doing. If you didn't know people, the Knights are over the cap for next year. They can't afford Which to re-sign. <laughs> they can't afford to re-sign Heimel Hunt and Sean Kenny Dow, who aren't even that good. They can't afford to re-sign them, and they've agreed to a deal with Jaden Braley, and they're not allowed to register it because they're over next year's cap. Yeah, They've waited mate. years for this, and they're in a, they're eight and eight, and this team is over the cap. But what a recruiter Brownie is, best in the business. Yeah, but it's everyone bought into this bullshit message, patience, you know, the the hurdle will be worth it, whatever, whatever. They finally sit in the top eight for the first time in years, and within like three months, oh shit, we're over the cap for next year. We can't <laughs> keep this team together. We have to let players go. Oh, I just all Wayne's fault though. Yeah, right. It's all, all Wayne. Um, <laughs> lastly, here from King Wally, he said, "FC Bold and Paul White were the Manchester United of the NRL." Um, That's a good comparison. I, I would counter it with "We're the Arsenal of the NRL," not winning since the early zero zeros and nothing since. <laughs> Maybe we won like a couple of like what's the equivalent of the FA Cup, some like Brisbane tournament. Yeah, uh, we didn't even win well. the nines. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't win the nines, yeah. yeah. But um, it's um, 
it, yeah, it's it's an okay comparison. I think we've we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but like we're we're a bit of an arrogant club. I love my club, I still do whatever, but it's like we think we're we think we're top shit. Our club does. Like, we think the Broncos sit on this certain level and then the rest of the league is a tier under it. Just, you know, the brand, the reputation. Oh, we're so good. But yeah, we haven't won in a while. Well, just, this is like, change the topic. Yeah. Whenever Bill Belichick decides to retire in, like, 38 years, yeah. surely the Patriots just fall off a cliff, right? That's what we're all oh, waiting for. Yeah, they'll be like us, mate. Oh, we're the Patriots. We're the best. Oh, I know. The guys, really, the guy's gone. <laughs> like, there's no way they can retain that once he's gone. Like, if you, I love when they say, if you go to, like, Patriots.com or whatever their website is, and you click on coaching yeah. staff, and there's, like, no defensive coaching staff. It's just him. It's like, yeah, <laughs> that's not... <laughs> once he goes, their whole team is just, like, screwed because the amount of well, work he does and, like, what he can do is crazy. Well, that's the thing, right? You, NFL teams, generally, it's like, you know, there's like a specialist for like everything. There's like a hundred coaching staff, whatever. At the Patriots, it's like, oh yeah, Bill's the GM, the head coach, the defensive coordinator. He's just, yeah, yeah, I do it all. <laughs> he just, he, do, he does the whole lot. And the crazy ones, I saw this video, this a couple of weeks back or whatever, and that this one player who played for the Patriots was talking about Bill Belichick. And he said, he was in a game and like the opposition lined up a certain way. And then he, like, yelled out yeah. something, like, oh, this is going to happen kind of thing. And he's, like, he remembered, like, some footage he saw months before they ran that play once with that formation, and he remembered it and knew what the play was going to be. And it's, like, that's – no one else can do that. They, they can't. There's actually – it's funny you mentioned that. There's, like, videos on the internet of, like, Bill Belichick interviews when he does do them. There's one a few years ago of him, like – Remembering plays from when he was like a kid, when his dad was a coach, he knew the name. He could he could recite his dad's playbook still. It's like what the hell? <laughs> like, and it's there's some people like there's there's people out there who think the same. It's not proven, but you can if you Google it. If you like Google LeBron James photogenic, there's people who think those guys have photogenic memories. Is it photogenic? It's called or photographic memory. Photographic, photographic memory. So yeah. That's it. Yeah, but like, it's like, same thing, like, LeBron can remember when somebody said a certain play in a certain stance was like, he can remember it from five years ago. It's the same thing with Bill, like, that these people have something going that other people don't. <laughs> it, oh, yeah, it's it's crazy to think that you can, like, I just, that you can remember a play from, how, like, Bill would be in his 70s, right? Like, that he could remember a yeah. play from like, 60 years back. Yeah. Hundred percent, but it's just—it's funny. They're going to be just like, as you said, once Bill and uh, Brady go, it's like Wayne and Lockyer. They—they'll go to shit. <laughs> Man, I don't even think. I mean, <laughs> I don't even think Brady has anything to do with that. Bill could make Not any either. quarterback look that good. Like Mate, we've all seen the Matt Castle season happen. Twelve wins. It's not even that. Like Toby, no, what is it? Brissett? What's his name? Jacoby Brissett. He's third choice quarter quarterback in like three weeks. Yeah, he came in and won like like every game he played pretty much, and he looked like Tom Brady. Like he looked ridiculous, and then it's like, oh, now you're off to the Colts, and you're just like back to the player you were. And like every player that comes in and plays quarterback looks ridiculous because they're all system quarterbacks. It's just Bill's system, and it works. And like, and then the Forty Niners buy Jimmy Garoppolo, and look at him now. Yeah, it's a funny one, you, it's a comparison you make there. It's like, um, you know, you get Jacoby Brissett going, but it's like last year they won a Super Bowl and Tom Brady couldn't throw the ball more than like 10 yards. He's so washed now. He's so old and washed. He threw what he did, throw two touchdowns in the in the, in the whole playoffs. Like, 
I, I'm not it one. It doesn't matter. I'm not one to normally go like, you know, see something a professional athlete could do and be like, oh, yeah, yeah I could do that. Like, because, you know, they're professional athletes and I'm not. But dead said, if Bill Belichick had like a year to coach me, I could get like three wins in an NFL season as quarterback for that team. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I have a I have a terrible arm. I'm not a very good thrower. I've got a lolly arm. I always have had. But I, f- I feel like I could throw some check downs at the Patriots. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, it. It's easy. You just look for the white people and throw it to them. Like, that's the... That's <laughs> yeah, the wide open guy. <laughs> like, other teams don't have white defensive players and all your wide receivers are white. So just throw to those people and you're good. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly right. Um to say. I mean, especially yeah, I, Gronkowski's not there anymore, but when you had Gronkowski there as well, you're like, oh, the guy that's two feet taller than everybody else and can run faster than everybody else. Like, yeah, throw to that guy. Yeah, exactly. But the best thing, the thing I, I, I like the most about the Patriots, and the Storm was similar, is like, they will not overpay like, unimportant position players. Like, they just won't, like, like for example, like, same thing, Storm won't do it. The Storm refused to do it with, like, Kevin Proctor and those kind of guys. They refuse to overpay you, Tim Glasby, they're not paying Christian Welch or whatever. When they know what you are, it's like, we can replace that. I respect that so much, and our club has that problem as, like, the, as we say, Magillot, McCulloch, Boyd, whatever, whatever. We pay them squillions when their value's at their top, where, like, the smart option is exactly actually going, nah, you can get that money elsewhere, man, if that's what you want. <laughs> you like, know? I mean, realistically, like, if you say you take Gillette and we pay him at the peak of his powers, but, yeah, you can pay half of that price to get 85% of that player. Like, that's that's value. Well, it's like you could have paid, like, again, Fafita, and the club knew they had him. David Fafita is on the minimum contract, whatever, like 100, 200K maybe, and you could just let Gillette walk from his 800K and not feel like he lost anything. Yeah. Yep. Like... That's a, like that's Ed's back row is a big one for me. I'll never pay one of them. Like unless it's a absolute superstar. Like like unless like a Wade Graham, for example, who's much more than the generic Ed's back row. I'm not paying one of them. And then other things. We were smart with like Jared Wallace, for example. We refused to pay him. That was smart, but not always. I think that, that was back when Wayne still had roster control. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Right. That's all right. Um, I have got a recommendation before we move on. If you want oh a recommendation yeah, recommendation station. <laughs> 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 uh, I have one, but I um, I saw the movie today. I don't know if you heard of it, Simo. But I saw the movie Booksmart today. Oh, I have not seen the movie. Have you seen Superbad? Uh, yes, I have seen Superbad. So it's quite funny. Watch this movie, and it's about it's 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 a female Superbad kind of, not exactly the same, but it's like Superbad cross the movie Lady Bird. It's like two girls on their last day of school, like one fat, short, fat girl, one taller, thinner girl, best friends, last day of school go to a party that night, try to get laid kind of thing. It seemed pretty... It's a bit smarter than Super Bad, less less comedy. But, end of the movie, the girl's name is Bernie... What's her name? Who's this, the star fat girl? Bernie Feldstein or something? Anyway, turns out she's Jonah Hill's sister. So, I thought it was just funny <laughs> that she's... A, so, it's like, what the fuck? You have done... You have done, Yeah, Bernie... Uh, Beanie Feldstein is her name. Looks like Jonah Hill, by the way, as well. But it's Jonah Hill's sister done a Joan Hill-like movie. It's really good. Like It's probably the movie I've enjoyed the most this year. Pretty funny, but some cool moments, good music. Olivia Wilde directs it, her first direct, produced by Will Farrell as well. So go check it out, people. Great movie. I don't want to spoil too much. Righto. Um, if, if you now look her up, you'll now see she is fat. Short, 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 well, Joan Hill's fat, Joan Hill. She's Joan Hill with long hair and boobs. <laughs> 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 
Uh, put me on the spot here, but I've scrounged one together. My recommendation yeah. station um, is a podcast, Reply All. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah. You have? I have. Yeah. I have. I used to listen. I don't listen anymore. I just don't know why I stopped. But oh, good podcast. It's, yeah, it's a great podcast. It's honestly one of... It's probably the second best podcast I listen to beside my other recommendation of <laughs> JRVP. Um but yeah, no, there's like every, it, for people that haven't listened to it, it's generally about like internet stuff, um, just different things that happen on the internet or you know, like different memes or just other stuff, like just always, it's, you'll just like read the title and you're like, oh, that doesn't seem that interesting, but then you listen and it's just fascinating every single time. They do everything from like travel to India to track down like telemarketer scams to, you know, like just, they're all over the place. It's good, good to listen to. Um. And if you like them too, Gimlet Media is the company that produces that. They have like a whole host of pretty good podcasts, really. So, but Reply All, it's a good one. Reply All is good. Excuse me, I just burped a little. My bad. But I think it's listened to like—is it like one of those podcasts that has like multiple million, like a million listeners an episode or something ridiculous? Oh yeah, it is. It is a really popular podcast. Um, It's good. And like I've put probably four or five people like onto it. Like you know, you should listen to this. And everybody I've put onto it has just loved it. and it's like in a conspiracy group chat I'm in. It's like one of our favorite podcasts in there too. Like it's it's good stuff. It's good. I have um. You mentioned the internet scammers things. I don't often watch them, but I did watch one of those YouTube videos where someone like caught out scammers and you know turned it back on them. They went for like half an hour. Too long, but it was just interesting seeing like how the scammers actually operate, how they're in India, and like how easy it is. It's like I'm watching this video. And I know the guy's taking the scammers down, but all, all I was thinking was like, man, I could do this. <laughs> yeah. I could I be really rich. Let me. Should I start scamming people? <laughs> oh, they had a, they had an episode on um, uh, it was on like people stealing usernames for from Twitter accounts and Snapchat accounts and stuff. And so somebody messaged them in or whatever, and they had a Snapchat that the name was just Lizard, um, which obviously is wanted because it's just a word. And um, and the whole episode was yeah like how they went around and like they were like trying to track down these people who was doing it and figure it out and get this account back and stuff and like they often because they have a super tech support is like one of the types of episodes they do where people with a a really complex problem will mail in, and usually that you know they figure it out and what's happened and um but yeah so that was really interesting on like the scamming to get accounts and now I'm trying to work out to get a Twitter account I want. <laughs> that's uh, that's good, man. <laughs> what are you getting? Just at Simo. You're after. Yeah, I just want. I want at Simo, mate. Some German guy's not used it for like eight years. Like just at Simo. Like, just yeah. give it to me. <laughs> oh, and he's and he's on private too. <laughs> yeah, he's on private, and he's not used it for twenty-three followers. <laughs> it's like, come on, mate. <laughs> anyway. God, God damn it, Simo. But um, yeah, I watched that scam we did. It was like. Like I, I, I know. Like well, my ex's uh, grandma, we once walked in when she was mid getting scanned by coincidence going to her house. We saved her, but like on the AFL footy shit out of the week, two of the hosts men- both mentioned they got done for forty grand. And it's like, man, even people with money are stupid. <laughs> like, yeah. But they're all the same kind of thing. It's like call them up, let you t- let you know you're there if you're from Microsoft or something, and that's that's take all their money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. That's why you always make sure you hang up and call them back. Yeah, all, all the idiots. I can't believe people fall for that scam of like, hey, you send me a thousand dollars, I'll send you back ten thousand. I can't believe that one. Yeah, people that's, still that's, fall for that. That's gonna work for sure. It's like, what the hell? What do you got? Go to the shops and if I said that to you on the street, you'd probably punch me. <laughs> 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 but someone said it to you over the phone, you're like, 
must be legitimate. Uh, <laughs> this guy called me for the random number. Must be looking out for my best interests. Uh, righto. Uh, cool. Anyway, yeah, checkbooks right out though, Simo. I don't know if it, I don't know your movie taste, but it's a great movie. People check it out. I'll um, I'll get my mate to grab it for me. Sweet, your mate. I think it's. Yeah, uh, I'm, not that saying, I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I believe it's on that. So even though it's in the cinemas now, I actually believe you can access that now. Ah, oh, interesting. Cool. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I think that's us done. I don't, I don't know if we'll, when we'll be back next, but we'll be here this time, so that's nice. Probably next week, maybe, maybe a week after. <laughs> we'll see. Sweet. Okay. See you later, everyone. Right. I see you.